Tonight's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2. We will read from the King James for the traditional Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. One of the great questions about Christmas that reverberates through our culture was not asked by a philosopher, a professor, a political pollster, or a theologian. It was asked by a cartoon character. How many of the kids out there have seen Charlie Brown Christmas? You guys seen that, kids? Raise your hand. I see you. Yes, I just took my kids to see the Peanut movie, the Peanuts movie, and it was wonderful. But nothing comes close to Charlie Brown Christmas. And Charlie Brown asks a question that still resounds in all of our ears this day and is battled for in our culture even now. The question Charlie Brown asks is this, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Christmas declares God is here. Just the other day, I had to do some last-minute shopping. I had to scoot into one of the local malls, and I only had a little bit of time before I had to get back. We were doing a Christmas pageant with some kids at a friend's house, and I had to make this trip quick, but as I went into the mall, out of the corner of my eye, I saw the food court. And if you're a regular here at the chapel, you know uh, my stories usually revolve around two things. William & Mary Athletics, 
go tribe, or food. This story is about food. I catch the, I catch the food court out of the corner of my eye, and it just beckoned me. It called to me. And there's a place in the, this particular food court. I don't get there often. And they have a buffalo chicken filly. Think about that combination, buffalo and Philly coming together in one magical sandwich. So I couldn't resist. So I went over. I got my buffalo chicken Philly, and I went and I, I sat down. This is a picture of the table that I sat down to eat my sandwich at. Okay, there's the table right there. And you see, when two tables are touching... That counts as one table. It's not like the table next where, next to me where there's a little space. Those are two tables, but they're touching. So that means this is one table. And I'm about a quarter of the way through my buffalo chicken filly, and I'm in the seat closest to you to the right. I just want everyone to have a visual of what's going on here. I'm closest to you and to the right. And then a woman comes and sits in the chair back left. My table. My time to enjoy my buffalo chicken filet. I go, well, this is kind of an interesting moment. I'm now having lunch with a woman that is not my wife. Here we are in the middle of the mall, and I'm sitting right there with this woman. And I kind of look at her, and she kind of looks at me. I mean, we are making eye contact, and she doesn't say anything. I go, okay, I, I can, I can kind of sit back and just eat my sandwich just at this table with this lady. And then all of a sudden... Her daughter comes and sits in the chair right next to me. Now, there are three people sitting at this one table, and I don't know two of them. And I go, okay. I mean, maybe they'll say hello. Maybe they'll want, I, I, I imagine I'm an interesting person that someone might want to talk to me. I learned all about their Christmas shopping. I learned where they work. I learned about their kids. And yet we went about 25 minutes and it was like I did not even exist. I felt ignored. I felt undervalued. I felt overlooked. I felt alone. Now, while that's kind of a joke about my feelings in that moment, it is true. They never said a word to me. They finished, they walked away. Those feelings that I described... We all feel them at some point in our life, whether we're sitting in a crowded mall or whether it's a relationship that really matters to us, ignored by someone we love, undervalued at work. Maybe you feel alone, wanting to be a part of something, and you've been kept from being a part of that. Maybe you're alone with an embarrassing memory. Maybe you feel alone with an addiction you've been struggling with. Maybe you feel alone with a disease, or maybe you just feel alone because you're alone after the departure of a loved one. See, Christmas declares that you are not alone. You are not undervalued. You are not overlooked. You are not ignored because God is here. There were people present at the first Christmas that I think can relate to some of the feelings I had sitting at that table being ignored. The people are the shepherds. We heard Catherine read about them as she read Luke chapter 2. Let me read one verse as the shepherds come onto the scene, and then we can think about what the shepherd's life was really like. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 
8, and we read this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That one verse can teach us a lot about what these shepherds might be going through. The first statement, Luke just introduces the idea that there were shepherds. You see, shepherds, that was not a very respectable job in the first century. People thought being a shepherd was uh, that shepherds were dishonest because shepherds often grazed on, had their sheep graze on land that was not their own. Shepherds were kind of shady characters, often found trespassing. People were nervous when they saw them around because they thought that as they stole uh, vegetation from their land that they may also steal from their, from their, uh, their, their, their farming implements. They might break into their homes. Shepherds had no respect in the first century. This was not a job people aspired to have. Then you, you learn that they are living out in fields nearby. They have no respect and they have no home. Where is their home? Where is the roof over their head? Luke tells us they're living not in a house, but in fields. There's no home for them. And what are they doing? They're keeping watch over their flocks by night. They have no peace because as they have stolen from so many people, they know that someone might come and steal from them. They know that their livelihood is dependent on them keeping their flock intact. And so they have to stay up all night long to make sure that the wealth that could come to them by these sheep remains their wealth. And there's no peace in constantly protecting and holding on to what's yours. When are they doing this? When are they keeping watch over their flock? Luke is very clear. They're doing it at night. Anyone who's ever had a job with odd hours knows that there's no community. When you're up while people are sleeping and while you're sleeping while people are up, there's no chance to build relationships. The shepherds, they have no respect no home, no peace, and they have no community. You might say they're ignored, they're undervalued, they're overlooked, they're alone. But in the midst of this state of solitude, they hear the declaration of Christmas. Let me read it to us. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the declaration of Christmas that they hear. The angels appear to them and they, they mention three things. They say there's a savior. Someone has come that has the power to help you. Someone has come that has the power to heal you. There is a savior. And then they reveal the identity of this savior. They say this savior is the Christ. And oftentimes we think of Christ as a last name for Jesus. It's not a last name at all. 
Christ is a title. The word Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew concept of the Messiah. Messiah and Christ both mean anointed one. And that is what they would do in ancient Israel with their kings. They would anoint them with oil. So Luke is clear to us that these angels say, there's a Savior, someone's here to help you, someone's here to hurt you, and this someone is the long-awaited king. A king makes decrees, a king makes laws that shape the way people live. This king will help us all understand that there's an entirely new way to live in an entirely new kingdom. But the angels go one step further. There is a savior. He is the king. The king is the Lord. And this is the shocking moment, the true declaration of Christmas, that this king is none other than God himself. The Lord, God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of these shepherds, the creator of you and me. This is the identity of this king and this savior. Christmas declares God is here. Most nights when I get to put the kids to bed after they've taken their bath and brushed their teeth, I'm about to read them a bedtime story. And inevitably, we're about to walk into the room. They go, no, Daddy, we want to hide. And they all squeal and giggle. And they go, hide, 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 hide. And I wait outside the door for about 30 seconds. I say, I'm I'm coming in. And then I, I burst into the room and you can't see them. And then I let about five or ten seconds passed, and inevitably a voice cries out from under the bed or under the covers, we're under the bed. (laughs) We're under the covers. And the other night after I found them under the bed or under the covers, or sometimes I hear, I'm in the closet, Daddy. You hear uh, last night, this is actually last night, uh, after I found them, Leela, my uh, third daughter, said, I want to hide my horsey. My horsey wants to hide, Daddy. And the horse kind of hides the same way Leela and Sophia and Olivia hide. This is a picture of the horse hiding. (laughs) It's not very discreet, the horse. Usually you can kind of get a glimpse of where they are. Why? Well, we often hide, but so often when we hide, We long to be found. And these shepherds, these shepherds hiding away from society, tucked off in a dark and lonely corner of the world, I I can't help but think that they might be like Leela's little horse, kind of poking their head out, wondering, hoping that someone might actually find them. Deep down, I believe we all long to be found. And this Christmas declaration to a group of shepherds with no respect, no home, no peace, and no community is God is here. God has found you right where you are. This was true at the first Christmas, and it's still true today. And I'd like to highlight one implication and one application of this declaration of Christmas that God is here The implication is if God is here and he has found us, we can actually find God. 
We can find him and we can know him. We can know what he is like. We can know who he is. We can be in relationship with him. We can understand his character. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in a church in New York City, writes in his book, The Reason for God, these words. When a Russian cosmonaut returned from space and reported that he had not found God, C.S. Lewis responded that this was like Hamlet going to the attic of his castle looking for Shakespeare. If there is a God, he wouldn't be another object in the universe that could be put in a lab and analyzed with empirical methods. He would relate to us the way a playwright relates to the characters in his play. We, the characters, might be able to know quite a lot about the playwright, but only to to the degree the author chooses to put information about himself in the play. Imagine this question. How could Hamlet know Shakespeare? That's an interesting question, isn't it? it? I never thought about it until I read that. How could Hamlet know Shakespeare? Well, he could know Shakespeare. He could know about Shakespeare if Shakespeare wrote little clues about himself into the play. But Hamlet could only know Shakespeare if Shakespeare wrote himself as a character into the play and actually interacted with Hamlet. Hamlet could know about Shakespeare with, a little cl- with some clues here and there, but he could only know Shakespeare personally if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play. And this is the Declaration of Christmas. God is here. God has written himself into the play of history. God has written himself into the play of our lives. And so we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes these words. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of God. All of God's character, who he is, that brightness of light of imagine God shining himself and all that he is on this earth. Paul says, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, where? In the face of Christ. In the face of the baby lying in the manger at Bethlehem. God is here. Implication. We are found. And now we can find him. We can know him. In the application, I'll phrase this in the form of a question. Will you seek God? If the declaration of Christmas is God is here, the application is, will you seek God? Let me continue on with the shepherd's story in Luke 2, verses 13 through 15. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Once the angels leave, the shepherds have a decision to make. Are we gonna go or are we gonna stay? Are we gonna go and seek the God who has sought after us? And I love this this phrase that Luke uses, to describe what they are going to find. Listen to this. 
They say, let us go to Bethlehem and see what? This thing that has happened. So often we think if we're going to seek after God, we have to have all the answers. We have to have our life put together. We have to know what we're really searching for. The shepherds don't know. They go, we're going to go to Bethlehem to see what? I don't know. This thing that has happened, it doesn't need to be the perfect search. Your life doesn't have to be all together. You don't have to have a regret-free past to seek him. Will you seek to know God? God is here. Implication. He can be found as he has found you. Application. Will you seek him? Seek God. When the woman sat down across from me, at that table in the Lynn Haven Mall and we didn't speak for about 25 minutes, I felt alone. But then we have to ask, I had to ask myself, why didn't I reach out? Why didn't I talk to her? Why didn't I ask her a question? Christmas declares, God is here. God was seated at the table directly across from these shepherds. And God has seated himself by the power of his Holy Spirit directly in front of us this Christmas Eve. We can find him as we have been found by him. Will we seek him? Even in these few remaining moments that we have together as we sing Silent Night, will we seek him? as we light our candles from the Christ candle, will we see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ? Will those helping me light the Christ candle please come forward?